Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we invest our life savings to beg for a new Star Tropics. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including items from Nintendo's general meeting of shareholders. And then on Thursday, we are talking about Nintendo games that we wish had co-op in them. But Mark, in the meantime, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, Patrick, today, my husband and I were grabbing lunch, and the place we were going to get food had ESPN2 on the TV, and All right, very on good. ESPN2 was World Chase Tag, like championships. Is it w- w- world, world Chase Tag? Which is, it is like... So the game is called Chase Tag. I guess. Okay. So like, yeah, so they set up like an arena, uh-huh. and there are like obstacles within the arena, and then one person chases another is person. It? Yeah, and then the okay. other person... And um, so wait a minute. There's is also it, like a team variation of this. This what? There's okay, like the so chaser and the seeker. I think is what they called it. But it's just two people. It so it appears to be like a variation where yes, it is two people, and then I think there's also like a team component. But basically, it's like the person who is. It's not the seeker. I can't remember what it's called. But basically, why like, don't they just call it it? <laughs> because okay, you have to be it. The the reason uh, as I was is that watching, named after Stephen King's book. I don't. Oh, that's a good question. Like no, when I'm when when you're no. it, are you Pennywise the clown no. chasing children? I do. You, maybe it's the reverse. Go where, on. Where, Go on. Where Stephen King named it after like. Oh uh, yeah, it's like a, a, a thing that children run away from. Yeah. Um. So watching it, first of all, as somebody who has invested a lot of time and a lot of money into improv, I recognize improv energy when I see it. Yes. And this. <laughs> these teams had a lot of improv team energy. Like they were even doing, they like, were doing the got your back. They thing. they were do- basically yeah. They would have like little like warm up games that they were doing with each other, where it's like everybody put your hand in, and then we yeah. all like dance and we're all shouting something before they like went into competition. Just like we get, do like, before we up. start recording. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And so um, it was. I just love that this exists. Yeah. Right? And I feel like as... I think we need to go back to our Mario sports games episode and like exactly, add it in. Exactly. Especially because it would be such a good fit for, for the that, playground, for games, the playground yeah. games one. That was the second thing I was thinking about. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you, World Tag Championship, for coming into my life. It's weird. It is still weird to me that it's called Chase Tag. Like Oh, what? that's what it was. Yeah. World, World Chase, Chase Tag, Tag Championships. Yeah. Well, and it was... Uh, it appeared to be a true worldwide championship. They had people from like the Czech Republic, from huh. Sweden, like everybody was getting in on it. Hmm. Uh, how much of it did you? Whenever I'm like at a restaurant and there's uh like some weird sports thing on, I have a hard time ignoring it. This is, I feel like no matter what is on TV, yes. if I'm somewhere where there is a television, right? I just can't help but look. It was behind me, luckily. <laughs> So I, so I. Oh, I thought it was that it was behind you, and you were still like staring at it. Well, I, I wouldn't say staring. Uh-huh. I, I got it. I got a good. Should we get? Should we get your husband in here? To- <laughs> 
to verify. No, yeah. <laughs> we don't need to ask him. Speaking of things we don't need to ask him about, my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. Would you like to borrow it? All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com and give us a mailing address so we can send you my copy of Sonic Forces. You play it for as long as you want or not. You don't have to actually play it, which I guess falls under the category of as long as you want. As long as you want could be no time at all. You send it back. I pay for postage both ways. There may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there. That's okay. The same rules apply. It's still the Sonic Forces borrowing program. You're still having a great time, and it's still the perfect program. So this question came up on the Discord. I feel like it's been popping up a little bit, so it might be just good to address it. Right. Is, one, how long can I expect to be on the list? And, two, am I still on the list? So if you have emailed me, you are on the list. Anytime in the past, like... Six years, whenever this program right. started. Which which goes back to the, the first question. The list is long, and turnaround time, super long. <laughs> well, people Both. juicing every second out of Sonic Forces. Well, no, they just, they just forget about it, and like I, you can't blame them. Like the, 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 both, copy, both games are currently out in the wild. I do not know when they're coming back. I do not know if the people I've sent them to have received them. They're just they're, – they're out there, and will they come back? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we have faith. Um, but this is look, this is what you sign up for when you sign up for a perfect borrowing program. Uh, it just it just means sometimes you gotta wait. I do not begrudge anyone emailing asking saying, "Am I still on the list?" Um, at most, I will give a yes. I'm not gonna give like positions or like estimate anything. Um, you get it when you get it, and I'll, I'll shoot you an email first to make sure that you're still interested in borrowing it. But that that is that that's as much as we can do for a program, which again is already perfect. Yeah. Yes. Well, here's another thing that you can do is you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere that you get your podcast. There's really two reasons that we love when you do this. One, Patrick and I love reading your reviews. We appreciate it so much um, when people leave us reviews. We love interacting with listeners anyway, Mm -hmm. and so this is a uh, fun way to do it. The second reason we really like it is because it helps people find the show. Um, we believe strongly that the more five-star reviews we get, the better our ranking in the algorithms. Right. And do we know what ranking or algorithm truly mean? No. No, but like the Sonic Forces Borrowing Program, yes. uh, we, we have, have faith. faith in the long game. Exactly. Either, either way. Yeah. So we really appreciate it when you do that. If you leave us a five-star review on the US Apple Podcast Store, we can see it, and we'll give you a shout-out on the show. But if you leave us a review anywhere else, we may not be able to see it, but we still want to recognize your contribution. And so hit us up on Twitter, send us an email, let us know so we can give you a shout-out, just like we're going to shout-out Libby Tots. Thank you so much, Libby Tots, for leaving us a five-star review on the U.S. Apple Podcast Store. Um, we really appreciate your review and taking the time to leave one for us. Yeah, thank you, Libby Tots. Um, it, Mark, at this point, I have to ask the question— did I give our email address in the Sonic Forces Borrowing Program rundown? I'm going to say that I have no memory of like repeating my portion of it. Right. And yet, that doesn't mean you didn't do it because right. we both basically we, we both black out. Yes, yeah, that's right. Um, so, so we're I, not. Here's the thing: we're not going back for it. <laughs> I either said it or I didn't. <laughs> well, do you want to say it now? 
totally no, divorced not of going the Sonic Forces Powering Program, just to say, we'll, what we'll are you We'll see if it comes up later, but okay, like, as right. of right now, Moving I'm, I'm not going to say it apropos right, of nothing. Like sharks. Would you like to join our Discord? You can. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Um, and we can give you an invite. You can join the Discord. You can chat with us there. It is a uh, wonderful place where people are talking about Nintendo things. It was great to see it popping off um, last week when we had a Nintendo Direct going on um, and people sort of discovering things that were either not in the Direct or uh, reacting to games that just came out that they were playing through for the first time or playing through again or whatever. Um, a great place to hang out. Uh, hit us up. Get your invite. Get in there and talk to us about Nintendo stuff. Um, Mark, are you ready to get into what we've been playing this week? Yeah, let's do it. I have now many weeks in a row talked about uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, so I'm not going to dwell on it too much here other than to say that um, I uh, played a bunch on Saturday night with uh, two friends who were uh, not not local and then also uh, got Sarah playing it with us. Um, and Sarah's always hesitant to like try a new game or like a new style of game, and that sort of like brawler is not really her thing. Um, but we played through the whole game uh, from level one to and through level 16. Um, I was playing as April, Sarah was playing as Splinter, um, and we had, uh, uh, Ethan was playing as Casey Jones, so we only had one turtle. Taylor was playing as Donatello, um, and the rest were non-turtles. Um, and it was a super uh, fun time and just a great, like, a great hang. The game is such a good vehicle for hanging out. That's awesome. Um, Mark, I, I picked up the Portal uh, Companion Collection. Me too. Oh my gosh! Um, I played all the way through Portal, which I hadn't done in... I don't decades. I don't know. Uh, a, a very long time since I last played the original Portal. Such a digestible, small, um, wonderful experience. Uh, funny throughout. Does just enough like uh, making your brain wrinkle as you're like working out these sort of like spatial puzzles. Um, holds up incredibly well. Um, loved having it on Switch. Um, so that like there was uh, some point where Sarah was calling around to uh, car dealerships or not dealerships, but uh, mechanics to get a window replaced in her car. Uh, and she was like, can you turn that down? And I was like, I know, like, I want to hear like, it's funny. Uh, and then I was like, wait a minute. And I just like pulled the switch out of the dock and like went into the other room and kept playing. Um, so a perfect use case for the switch. Um, love, love portal. Yeah, that's awesome. I have not dug in yet. I'm really excited to play co-op with you. That is really like my main aim for picking it up. Question for you. I've never played Portal or Portal 2. Yes. Do you think um, – I can't imagine I'm going to pay, play both back-to-back. -back, right. But So do you think I should start with Portal? Do you think I should jump straight to Portal 2? Play play Portal. Okay. And then we'll do the Portal 2 co-op together. And at that time, you'll go, oh, my God, I need more of this. And you'll play <laughs> Portal 2 of, of and, your you know, own. like I yeah. can always have Portal 2 for later. But, yeah, I, I'm yeah. I am excited to – I'm excited to play this. Um. Mark, I've also been playing uh, Dragon Quest Builders 2 some more. Uh, so this is now, I've, I've decided that this is going to be my thing where I update you like every week. I love it. Much yeah. like your experience with Dragon Quest 11 Nets, Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. Um, I uh, built up my town, the uh, Furrow Field, um, uh, Furrow Field, Furrow Field Farm. There we go, Furrow, Furrow Field Farm. Um, and uh, like built it up, did all of like the the requests um, for all of the little characters that are living in the town, um, and then 
so you know, p- part of the premise of this game is you're a builder, and there are um, like everyone has sort of fallen into the like the faith of destruction, right? So um, there are destroyers, and uh, everyone you meet has to be convinced that building is good. Um, and the sort of uh, leader of the town is uh, his name is Pastor Al. So like pastoral, uh, Pastor Al. Um, and he is like a, a high priest in the Church of Destruction, but you have like won him over to your side um, in showing him all this great stuff that you can build for the town. Um, and once you've done this and like raised the town to a certain level and you're farming and you hold a harvest festival and everyone's walking around wearing like jack-o'-lanterns on their heads and it's great um, and super happy, uh, then like his old buddies from the Church of Destruction show up and they're like, get out here. We've got beef with you now because you've helped build this. T- you're a builder. Look at this. Your roots are in destruction. Ultimate betrayal. The ultimate betrayal. Uh, and they murder him in front of you. Uh, and Sorry, then... I shouldn't be laughing. But, uh... <laughs> well, but so okay, th- this is this is what I uh, was really driving at here is that the game is so open and so like, you know, uh, Minecrafty, like kind of buildy that I forgot. I frequently forget that I'm playing a Dragon Quest game, which means it's going to have like moving story beats where like I care about the individual characters and they've been developing them the whole time. Um, to the point where I can uh, be devastated when one of them falls in battle and is gone forever. Uh, And it was just very cool to be like this thing that feels so personal to me. Like I've built the town up in a way that is weird. And like, I have these like terraces where like, this is the pumpkin terrace. This is the, the tomato terrace. And like, you know, everything is like built so that we can grow all the crops that we need to. And like, I don't know, just like all, all of those decisions I got to make on my own about where that all goes, and then he dies defending that town. You know, like it feels very personal and like real and loaded, and I think it just rules. That is really cool. So I've I've only ever played the th- part of the first game, and I never got far enough to like experience a moment like that. So you know, like I maybe played five or six hours at mm-hmm. most. Um, that is really cool. That's kind of, it makes sense now that you say that, that that would be part of the Dragon Quest experience, but that's unexpected to me. Yeah, well, just because, like, a, 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 an open game like that, a game where you are building, where, like, it's based on the exploration of, like, what you can do and what you can make, um, it's just easy to forget that, like, the franchise that's taking that on is so good at cozy, slow storytelling, um, and that when it's finally revealed to you, like, hey, I've been telling you this story the whole time. You're like, oh, oh, dang. Yeah, that is really cool. Uh, and it's just it's just really, really quite wonderful. So I've been playing the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, or at least started the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Yes. Nigh on a year since it was released, uh-huh. I think, maybe, but finally getting around to it. Um, I Which, sorry, which one is this? So what do you mean? Which... Okay, so I, I'm, I'm familiar with uh, Great Ace Attorney and Phoenix Wright and all of that. This is like the ancestor? This is like in the olden days? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, exactly. This is with the so fake Sherlock takes, Holmes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So this takes place in um, like Japan right around when it has just like opened up to the West. Okay. And kind of like a big story beat, especially in the beginning. I've only done the first case. And a big story beat is just kind of this idea of like, Japan and I don't I don't know enough about Japanese history to know like how based on um, reality this is or yeah. like how much license they've taken. But um, in the game, Japan had just signed has just signed this like big treaty with Great Britain, 
Um, and the relationship between the Japanese and the British and the way that like the British kind of treat the Japanese as inferior plays like a really big part huh. in this first case in a way that was really interesting and very unexpected um, to me. It, the game still has like a really good sense of humor, but it even from just like the very beginning, it's like, oh, this has a different feel, a little heavier feel than something like Phoenix Wright, yeah. which is goofy beyond all reason for right. the most part. Um, and so <clears throat> I've decided the way I'm going to do this and actually – just coincidentally, on our Discord, um, Silvercrass Moon, a user, a listener in there, was talking about, oh, he played one case in an Ace Attorney game. I'm not sure which one. And then he's now he's going to go do other stuff. Yeah. And we'll eventually come back and do another case. I think that's a brilliant way to do it. I coincidentally was decided to do the same thing where it's like, okay, I've done my first case in Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. I know there's like two or three games within this collection, so yeah. it'll take me a long time to get through it. But one case at a time is kind of like the perfect amount of that kind of game for me, I think. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to getting back to it. The thing that I pivoted to kind of like cleaning up my back catalog is I'm finally getting around to playing Bowser's Fury. Wow. Which came, you know, as part of the um, release of Super Mario 3D World on Switch. There was this like bonus game, side game. I don't know what you would call it. Bowser's Fury, which you'll remember is kind of like an open world area. Everything is themed around cats. You're collecting these like cat shines. And, but Bowser is this giant, like gooey, tarry, like kaiju mm-hmm. who um, will every so often, he like slumbers wake up, most uh-huh, of the time. Yeah. And attack. And I am liking Bowser's fury. Fine. Mm-hmm. I don't. So I'm not loving it. I actually find the like Bowser mechanic where he like wakes up like every so often kind of not very fun you just got to run back to that bell and fight him like that that's just what you got to do right yeah yeah it just like um there is a little bit of like a hey guy i was just working on this thing (laughs) like how dare you disturb me like it's a little bit interesting because you know like you can run back to the bell and just like fight him because there's a special bell that opens up you know like depending on the number of shines you have. And um, Mario turns into his own kind of like cat kaiju lion type thing that you can fight uh, this like fury Bowser. But the, um, the problem is that, or it's not really a problem, but when Bowser is attacking, the world kind of like transforms. And so you can get to areas that you couldn't get to before. Like, right. like cat shines are become available that weren't available before they were out of reach, but now you can like get to them. It just feels it's for me for my taste it's a little too chaotic. Mm. I um, and I don't know if it's just my imagination, but I feel like Mario doesn't move right. Like it just feels a little like it is strange a. It's to a me. weird marriage of the 3D world controls and like sort of Odyssey controls almost because you have to hold a button to run. Right, yeah. Like that, that's that's a a a function of it, and that's never been a a feature in a like fully three D Mario before the three D World games, yeah, three um, D World and three D Land, um, but not not this. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Like th- it doesn't totally feel like any of them, um, but it's uh, it's, it's so so you 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 think you're coming down like sort of in the middle of it or like yeah. more negative? No, than, I, okay. I would say in the middle. Like there are moments where, you know, each cat shine 
presents an opportunity for the game to excel, right? Mm-hmm. And there are cat shines that are incredible and like feel really tight and like good Mario platforming. And there are other ones that just like aren't as good and aren't as fun. Um, so I'm enjoying it. I think it's an interesting kind of like experiment, like side game, but based purely on what I've played of Bowser's Fury, I have maybe like 40 of the cat shines. Oh, right okay. Now. I mean, um, that, that, that is pretty deep into it. I think there are only a hundred. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that you can like challenge Bowser to like the final fight at 50. Oh, okay. So yeah, fairly close to defeating it if I wanted to be right. done. But um, I like the Plessy, the like dinosaur friend yeah, is like Plessy's around good. basically all mm-hmm. the time. You can ride him to quickly get from like island to island. Um, but overall, like based purely on what I played of Bowser's Fury, I'm not like, boy, I wish they make a whole Mario game that's structured like this. Oh, that man. Works like this. I couldn't disagree with you more. <laughs> like, I, I, I wish I wish it was a, a whole a whole game where like I, I really like how it has the. Um, sort of uh, sense of like the larger kingdoms in uh, Super Mario Odyssey, but is like even bigger than one of those. Like it's it's bigger than like the Metro Kingdom or um, one of the other big ones that I can't <laughs> can't pull out of the uh, uh, nope Sand Kingdom. There we go. There's another one. Um, they just feel so like big and uh, continuous, uh, and I just. I, I like the I like how much exploration there is in with like the, the the platforming and the sort of like looking around for um for shines and secrets and power ups. Plus, I love that you bank power ups. Uh, that's so that is good. cool. The way that they do that is really neat. So basically, like as you get a power up from a question mark block or anything like that, you basically just get stored and you you have like a tool belt. Not really, mm-hmm. but like. On the UI, there's just a, it's like, oh, here's the bell, here's the tanuki leaf, here's, you know, like the a mushroom. Right. And you can carry five of each. And when you, if you have like the fire flower and then you get a cat bell, the fire flower gets put back into your inventory if you don't so have you five already. So you can use it later. Yeah. yeah. So that that part is really neat. Um, and then also that there's no lives in it either, that it's just you lose a couple coins and then you keep going. Yep. Um, it's just very, uh, very clean and, and a very elegant thing that I wish would just be applied to all uh, Mario games going forward. Yeah. So, you know, like I'm enjoying it, but I it just feels kind of like a trifle to mm-hmm. me. That's kind of been my experience with it. The other thing I just want to talk about real quick is last week was Summer Games Done Quick. There were some very cool speed runs, um, Nintendo related ones that I saw, like Metroid Dread had a really good one. Ooh. Uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land had a really cool one. Um, but the two that I that I've seen that I thought were the most fun is there was a Super Mario World like Kaizo race between two teams. The I am kind of like hot and cold on the Kaizo stuff sometimes, but this was incredible. The levels were so interesting and had like really fun and crazy, just absolutely crazy gimmicks, and the ability of the runners to be able to like scan it. And, you know, like, learn the mechanic. Like, their skill is just incredible. It was well, so, so much wait, fun. Was was this, like, blind Kaizo that these were levels that hadn't been yeah, played before? Or levels that these people hadn't seen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And so it, was, so it was really cool. And there were two teams, you know, like, racing. And then same with the Super Mario Maker 2 race. Sorry, I just want to, uh, like, loop back around to the concept of, of Kaizo so that, like, it's, oh, it's sure, clear what yeah, that is. Yeah. That these are um, a Mario... Uh, a, a, in, in this specific instance, Mario World uh, levels that are um, like kit bashed together, um, and specifically in ways meant to like troll you or like to um, like the the sort of like 
idea of Kaizo is to like put the invisible block right in the space that it knows you need to jump. Um, so like it's it's just it's like mean Mario. It's kind of like Super Mario Maker before Super yeah, Mario Maker, yeah. where people would create these levels that are basically like for incredibly skilled Mario players. Yes. To be able to tackle. So to see them do it live with some of these gimmicks that like I still do not understand is very, very cool. So yeah. I really recommend that one. The And it's also super stressful. The other one was the uh, Super Mario Maker 2 race, which, again, same sort of thing. Kind of incredible gimmicks, really interesting level design. Mm-hmm. And then watching the pl- these incredibly skilled Mario players be able to, like, um, figure out the gimmicks, figure out the mechanics. Just, like, it's it's very very cool so both of those i really recommend um well that's very cool mark thank you for sharing those that's what we've been playing this week let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week but before we get to next week we got to go back to last week because because nintendo does not give us any advance warning as to when they are updating the nintendo switch uh like virtual console services whatever they are so a couple games were added added to the nintendo switch online sega genesis online uh, including Mega Man: the wily wars which is a like genesis remake of Mega Man's one two and three um oh yes uh comic zone target earth and zero wing um and zero wing is notable for being uh for having a just abysmal english translation it is where the all your base are belong to us meme comes from uh, along with a couple others um but so this is actually a, like a, a killer offering for the uh, Ge- Sega Genesis Online. Uh, Wily Wars and Comic Zone are both like legit classics, um, and Zero Wing has all of that like meme value. Um, I think this is the best update they've done to this thing so far. I uh, did not know that Mega Man: The Wily Wars was a thing. I didn't realize that there were Sega Genesis ports of. Mega Man One, Two, and Three. Yeah, and the thing that's like wild about them is that this is the only place where there was a 16-bit remake of oh, these 8-bit yeah. games. Man, I bet so, the, like, the soundtrack is bigger. Yes, the soundtracks rule. Incredible. Um they they're great. Um and the the sprites are all like uh, they appear a little bit bigger and they're all way more detailed, right? Because you're dealing with a 16-bit sprite instead of an 8-bit sprite. Um so it's cool to see Mega Man like that, but it's mind-blowing to see the 6 plus 8 plus 8 uh, 22 other uh, robot masters like reconfigured into into 16-bit um, it uh, I, I'd never played this version of these games before um, I played through um, the uh, cut man and elect man stages of uh, Mega Man 1 I intend to play all of these games to the end because um, I know how to play them on the NES uh, I am enjoying playing them in a, a, a different format do they play very similar yeah very similar like they're 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 very faithful um it's it's neat to play them with the genesis controller in that the the three buttons are um jump shoot and bring up the menu um so it's it's nice to not have to like reach your thumb all the way over to the the start button to bring up the menu to change weapons uh it's just like the a button uh brings up the menu uh so the one place here where the genesis controller is like preferable to the uh, NES controller, which is, I don't often say that. Well, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, The only new release I wanted to shout out was on July 8th, Klonoa Fantasy Reverie series is released. So Klonoa, um, both of these games are platformers from Konami, I think, 
that released on the PlayStation and PlayStation 2, respectively. I believe one or both were also remade for the Wii in 2008. But um, uh, this is a series I've never played. Fairly well regarded. Mm -hmm. Something I'm, again, not going to pick up initially. Not dying to play, but definitely going to wish list for when it goes on sale. Because I would definitely be interested in checking them out. Yep. Uh, An interesting little curiosity. It's neat that they're being bundled on Switch. I gotta say... Unless there's some sort of like in-game explanation for it, I don't know why it's called Fantasy Reverie Series. That's that's nonsense. I, um, that's I, like a Kingdom Hearts game <laughs> name. I think the title of like the second game is something similar to that. Well, good. I'm glad it's all nonsense. Uh, all right, Mark. Uh, let's uh, close out the new releases. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark, today we're talking about ball game snacks, like baseball games. I went to a baseball game on Thursday. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I do not eat meat, um, but I was at Dodger Stadium. You got to get a Dodger dog, which means I have to find the places that sell the plant-based Dodger dog. And is that not everywhere? It is not everywhere. Interesting. But it is at, like, the main hub in, like, the upper level where, like, everyone enters, right? Um, so I, I departed from the rest of my comrades that I was there with because I was like, I'm sorry. I know you guys can go, go wherever. I need to go to the central hub go to the central hub there's a long line huge line but there's a bunch of cash registers i it's not going to take a long time to stand in this line takes like 20 minutes um which is a lot but i get to the front and they're like we're out of plant-based and i was devastated so i said all right give me a beer (laughs) (laughs) they gave me a beer and so i'm like i'm I'm, I'm walking back uh walking back to my seats and just kind of like looking around be like is is the can I get like pizza and the pizza there is California Pizza Kitchen and I was like nah, I don't want that I want like I I want a different that's not the kind of pizza I want mm-hmm. um so I'm like walking I'm looking around uh, and then I uh, you know walk past where our seats are and like I'm starting to get to where I'm like oh, I'm running out of food places and then I find a place that is selling the plant based Dodger dogs and they have them. So I got my Dodger dogs. Oh, man. I'm so glad that story had a happy ending. Yes. I know what you're saying about California. There's California Pizza Kitchen, and you're like, I don't want that. I don't want that. And and I feel like. At a ballpark? Exactly. I feel like we run the risk yes. of you know making ballparks a little too fancy, <laughs> where it's just like, I want the no-name pizza that right. I don't know right. what you know, company oh, no. is coming from. There's a name and it's a generic Italian grandmother's <laughs> name. Like that's, that's the pizza joint that you want to get pizza from. And it, it needs to be a, like a thick crust, uh-huh. uh, like just too thick. Uh-huh. Right. Um, and be like kind of crummy, like uh, be like yeah, kind of cardboardy on the bottom. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, one thing I'd like about getting snacks at a baseball game versus other sporting events is because there's like not really like one intermission or multiple right. i think they call them they're not intermissions they are well there's called, halftime uh, right there's halftime and there's like yeah what do you call it like a break between quarters or innings right period breaks no there's a word for it but i can't I, think I, of what it is but anyways probably not a word for with it. with baseball 
there are it's continuous. It's continuous, and so yeah. like there's not necessarily like also, a none single of, time that there's yeah. like, a run on snacks. Right. Oh, and there's no. Uh, n- not only is, are there so many breaks, um, but they're all super short. So like you're just whenever you get up to get snacks, you're like I'm gonna miss an inning. Like yeah, uh huh. It just always happens. Yes. and that's fine. That's, there's so many of them in baseball. Right. The longest one is the break in the middle of the seventh inning. Right for the seventh inning stretch. Uh huh. But a, you don't want to miss take me out to the ball game. And b, by the seventh inning, they stop serving beer. So like, <laughs> you know what? What you you got to go earlier. Do you know what I really really love? What's that? Are nachos that are just the chips. And again, we're talking ballpark, so like yep. the chips are a little crummy. Yep. And cheese. Yeah. That's all I need. Maybe, maybe give me the handful of jalapeno slices. Oh yes, like that's uh-huh. that's okay. But uh-huh. yeah, I I don't want, I don't get your beans out of here. Obviously, get any kind of meat out of here. <laughs> Whatever passes for sour cream in a ballpark, yeah, no, I thank don't you. want it. I want cheese, cheese uh-huh. yep. in quotes, um, and chips and true scare quotes on cheese. True scare quotes. The scare quotes have square 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 quotes. <laughs> Square quotes well, when you like, need your yeah, website wait. built fast. <laughs> scare quotes with scare quotes is like scare quotes squared, so they are square quotes. That's a really compelling point. Uh, this is also the only place in the world where you can get Dippin' Dots, right? Is that a baseball game? Yeah, or like a Six Flags. <laughs> I feel like it is bold of Dippin' Dots. I Okay, I'm about to say this, but it may not be true. Right. So I may, maybe so I immediately take Mark. this back. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is bold of Dippin' Dots to continue to frame themselves as the ice cream of the future. Why? Because it is clearly, one, the ice cream of the present, and two, it's been the ice cream of the future for decades now at this point. Yeah, but it will only stop being the ice cream of the future when we reach the point where, uh, I guess we'll, we'll never get resolution on this. Um, we were accompanied today by the Randolph College Chamber Orchestra. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. Nintendo's 82nd annual general meeting of shareholders took place last week. Can you believe it's already been a year? Oh, man. (laughs) And as part of the meeting, the company's leadership answers questions from investors and attendants. Um, And so basically, like, investors are able to ask a question, and then the some investors are able to ask a question, and then the leadership responds to it. So some of the questions asked, uh, well, one of them was about the possibility of a new F-Zero game. From the official translation on Nintendo's website, the question is, are you considering releasing a new iteration or remake of Nintendo franchises such as the F-Zero series, which have not had a sequel released for a long time? These are titles highly rated in Nintendo's back catalog, and I'd like to see those actively put to use. Nintendo president Shintura Furukawa responded saying, quote, Realistically speaking, it would be difficult to develop remakes or sequels for all Nintendo titles you have requested, but we're extremely (laughs) glad and grateful that our fans continue to look forward to them. And this one from Shinya Takahashi, who's the general manager of the Entertainment Planning and Development Division, this, this one I actually thought was really interesting. He said, quote, We are always thinking from a broad perspective about how to make both new titles and remakes enjoyable for many consumers. That part is not that interesting. But this yes. part I thought was interesting. As an example, a question was asked at the annual general meeting of shareholders uh, back in 2019 about whether we had any plans to remake the Famicom Detective Club series. By chance, we did have plans at that moment to remake that very series. I cannot discuss whether we have plans to remake any specific title, but as we develop our games, we are constantly considering all kinds of possibilities to create enjoyment for consumers. Right. So, in one way, that's ve- it's a very cool way to acknowledge, like, hey, 
we do dip into our past all the time. And it's for strange stuff that no one is anticipating, but we're aware of our history. We value our history, and we're going to surface it anytime we think it can make us money. <laughs> also funny that somebody asked about Famicom Detective Club yeah, that when is funny. they were that like, is funny. they were thinking about it. Like, do you think everybody on stage kind of like, <sighs> they took a moment and it was just kind of like, like, what are the odds? <laughs> Uh, but there's more to this question, though. Which I love. I love this. This is so good. So the investor who asked is a fan who goes by Momiji on Twitter. And he told Business Insider that he's like a super fan and spent over $40,000 on Nintendo stock back in February and used his opportunity to ask a question at the shareholder meeting to ask about F-Zero because he loves the series so much. So... Yes, obviously he loves uh, Nintendo and uh, F Zero a lot. Um, it's it, okay. Is is this he spent forty thousand dollars so he can like be on these calls and like bug them about making an F Zero game? Because if so, kind of lame. But if he's just a big fan of it and so therefore he invested in it and is like, hey, as long as I'm uh, invest, I'm invested in it. I should ask if my favorite thing is going to be a part of it. Then I think it's cool. Yeah, I think it's the I think it's the latter, and I think you can kind of tell that based on the framing of his question, where it is like about F Zero, but he's not like. You know, uh, I think you should make a new F Zero game. Right. It's very much in the context of investment, where it's like, are you considering a new like game in series that haven't had entries left for a long time, like F Zero? Because right. I think that that could bring a lot of value to utilize, you know, these popular and successful franchises from the past, type of thing. Right. It's just funny that part of uh, Furukawa's answer is like. Uh, it would be difficult to develop remakes or sequels for all the Nintendo titles you've requested. <laughs> it, it is as though this person has been asking these questions for a long time. I, yeah, I take it as like the uh, the general you, yes. where it's like y'all. It's a y'all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, another person asked, "I'd like to hear about how Nintendo takes care of its employees." Please tell us how the environment at Nintendo headquarters in Japan has changed, and how do you plan to improve working conditions for employees? Important question. Yeah, I'm also curious if like this was related or not related to you know the news that came out of Nintendo of America just a couple of months ago about the complaint to the Nation National Labor Relations Board, and also you know like the stories in IGN and other places about working conditions for contractors yeah, in Nintendo and, of America. And that there's a, a, a big gulf between the uh, the contractors and the permanent team members and seemingly no road to uh, turn being one into being the other. So Furukawa responds, quote, We recognize that in order to achieve a good work-life balance, we need to create ways of working that meet the needs of and work for each and every individual. To offer a diverse work environment, we have introduced a flexible working schedule and have policies in place that encourage the use of paid vacation. We also have made progress in certain initiatives, which include improvements and in benefits provided to temporary employees, allowing second and part-time jobs, and to further expand existing structures for childcare and caregiving. We also... They didn't allow second or part-time jobs for temporary employees? Yeah. That's I, weird. Yeah. And I'm guessing this is all... Uh, the question is related to head Nintendo headquarters in Japan. Sure, so I sure. think th we should think of this as all being like related to Nintendo of Japan and not necessarily Nintendo of America, Nintendo of Europe, right, or any of right. the um, other subsidiaries. Different management structures. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. We also abolished female employee-specific uniforms several years ago. And starting this year, we moved to a more flexible dress code that allows employees to choose clothes suitable to their workplace. 
Uh, I like this. Uh, this is this is Mark speaking, not the quote. Um, I like this next part. He says, "Quote: You may see employees wearing jackets with the Nintendo logo in media articles. We still keep these jackets to remind us that Nintendo is a company that creates products." <laughs> um, I I don't know how that was intended, but the way I read it, it's kind of like. Uh, it's like, don't worry if you see people wearing these jackets. You know, like we're, they're not being necessarily. No like, one, we're not forcing to. them to wear these jackets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then finally, we're uh, quote. We're also discussing strategies to promote the active involvement of women in the workplace, uh, which is like is all uh, pretty good, right? Like, uh, especially when so so often the answers to these questions are like. We're investigating it and blah, blah, blah. Like Furukawa seems to actually uh, be coming with receipts. Um, and again, not that this addresses what's uh, happening in the States necessarily. Um, but, you know, when you start to see the uh, like labor environment change uh, in Japan, like, you know, it, it is likely that it'll have some effect here as well. Uh, speaking specifically on the number of women uh, in the like management at Nintendo of Japan. So there was a separate question specific to that, and Furukawa at that time responded that women account for 23.7% of management positions based on the combined numbers for headquarters in Japan and the company's subsidiaries, so in North America, Europe, and Australia. But he doesn't give a specific number for Japan, and I'm guessing it's very low. Yeah. Uh, But he does say that... increasing the number in Japan is a topic of frequent discussion among leadership. So that's one yeah. where, like, it will be... N- this is a little bit the crappier answer, it, It'll right? be yeah. nice to see, like, actual yeah. improvement yeah. in this regard in the future. Agreed. Finally, uh, the last kind of, like, thing that I wanted to pull out from the meeting is regarding the situation in Russia, um, and they keep... They they call it that. You know, they don't... <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. The situation it's not in Russia, the Russian invasion and it's, like, of Ukraine the situation them, yeah. in Ukraine, yeah. Right. Um, not, they don't really don't say anything. They're asked about it. And Furukawa explains, you know, that the eShop doesn't work there, but they, uh, but says that it's because their payment processor, processor is suspended transactions in Russia. And then Nintendo, he also says that Nintendo isn't shipping any products to Russia. But whether that is a, uh, a matter of just logistical, uh, impossibility or like a statement of purpose is not they do not they do not say yeah they take great pains to not really take any side here um satura shibata who's the he's at a senior executive officer and used to be the president of nintendo of europe says that we are that nintendo is giving like quote serious thought to how to handle this going forward in light of changing world events and that again here's that term situation in your ukraine and inflation in europe um hasn't greatly affected the switch business in europe so, th- again, they're taking a very, like, business, you know, like, right. focused. Like, the reason why the eShop doesn't work is because our payment processor suspended it, right? They're not saying right. that they're taking any, like, political stance at all. Which, uh, you know, as a, a company is probably a, a, a good choice. It does it does leave a little bit of, like, where's the humanity in this? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would say it's an understandable choice. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh Nintendo has announced a new extended warranty program in Japan. For 200 yen a month or 2,000 yen annually, players can subscribe to WideCare, which will fix problems with their switches up to six times a year or damages worth up to 100,000 yen, including like fall damage, water damage, parts breaking, etc. Shipping is included. 
Um, it kind of it seems like it's basically like Apple Care or yeah. you know something like that, but for your Switch. It's only in Japan currently. Can't imagine they're going to offer it worldwide. But interesting to see Nintendo kind of get into this space. Yeah, especially when like Nintendo support and like uh, for like re- replacement stuff or, or damage is pretty good and attentive, like as it is. Um, but that just hasn't been a service that we've paid for. Um, I think if you were calling Nintendo support six times a year to get something replaced or uh, have having problems with your Switch, that they would probably stop taking your calls. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, that's uh, I- interesting, including fall damage. Yeah, and maybe just as hmm. like the sw- oh, one, you know, it's just another subscription like revenue stream totally. to tap into. Yeah. But two, I wonder like as Switches get older, that more and more of this stuff will start happening. So it's just a way for them to like make money off of that. Yeah. Well, and I wonder also if like, since the, uh, since the dawn of the switch Lite, which has now like been on the market for a couple of years, um, that means that the switch is in hands of more kids. That's true. Um, and that uh, that's really where the switch, the switch for all of its, uh, wonderfulness does not have the same sort of, uh, endurance of a, a of a game boy or a gba like there it, it just fails more right than um than those old hardy consoles did uh and so i wonder if they sort of had to offer this as sort of like a not a make good because the product is is good um but just you know it's not invincible um but you can kind of ensure it sea of stars the retro inspired rpg from the developers of the messenger uh, was announced for Nintendo Switch last year, but has now been delayed to 2023. Developer Sabotage Studio posted the update on Twitter last week, citing both quality of life for the team working on the game and the quality of the game um, for the reason of the delay. Uh, you can wait. Sea of Stars, I'll be happy to play you whenever you come out. Love the messenger. Love the way um, Sea of Stars looks. Um, it looks the clo- like the closest thing to a, a new uh, Chrono Trigger game um, or game in that style uh, that we've ever seen. Um, I'm, I'm very excited about that. So what well, comes out in 2023, I'll play it in 2023. According to analytics firm Sensor Tower, Fire Emblem Heroes is the first Nintendo mobile game to gross over $1 billion worldwide. Wow. Um, According to Sensor Tower, Mario Kart Tour is Nintendo's second most successful mo- mobile title, having generated like a 282 million. So the gulf between yeah. Fire Emblem Heroes and everything else is enormous. Right. Well, because you also have a note here, Animal Crossing Pocket Camp is in third place at uh, uh, 281.6 million, which is just it's less than half a million behind yeah. um, the uh, uh, Mario Kart Tour. Um, so yeah, that's everyone else is sort of like bunched up in that like quarter of a million uh, range, um, and then there's a Fire Emblem just running away with it. Yeah, totally crazy. Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII is getting remastered as Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion, and is coming to Switch along with other platforms this winter. I've never played Crisis Core before. Have you? Uh, no. So Pete and I did talk about this on, uh, the episode that he was on two weeks ago. Thanks for listening to the show. Always great to meet a fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, w- uh, he didn't have a lot to say about it. So we kind of skipped right past it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I have not played, um, I never owned a PSP, um, and, uh, but was a huge Final Fantasy VII fan. Uh, and so Crisis Core has always been one of those games that has eluded me. I know it by reputation. I know it as being like an action-based like kind of RPG that like a lot of the combat DNA from 
Final Fantasy VII Remake originally comes from Crisis Core, I am beyond excited to play this game. And it's like, it takes place... Also, I'm sorry for razzing you just now. No, no. It's, <laughs> it, 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 I, it takes place up to, around, and like, it's like a prelude to? Yes. Because so like, it's, it's all from Zack's point of view, right? It's all right? from Zack's point of view, right? And Zack starts the game not alive. Um, or Final Fantasy VII, he, that character is, is already gone. He's a, got a Jacob Marley thing going on. <laughs> Zack was dead to begin with. Um, but yeah, so it, it's all like the lead up to that and um, like... I, I, I don't know how much Cloud is involved in that mm-hmm. or how much um, like the experiments with Genova and right. all of the stuff that sort of like shapes Cloud's identity through the original Final Fantasy VII. Um, but it's all, I, I'm, I, I'm going to get the chance to d- actually do it, to experience yeah, it and play through it on Switch. Patrick, don't freak out. I make no promises. <laughs> but Nintendo has renewed their trademark on Star Tropics. Oh my God! Yeah, the filing was noticed over the weekend on Twitter by r- reporter Jeff Grubb. Um, don't I don't really know what to make of it. I guess like it doesn't mean anything necessarily. Right. I think that's exactly what it means: is that it doesn't mean anything necessarily. Uh, trademarks get refiled all the time just to keep them, um, or if it's like it could it could mean that it's about to be distributed on like another. Uh, platform or something, but uh, you know it's already part of Nintendo Switch Online, right? I think so. Um, yeah, I think it is too. It's definitely on the uh, Classic Edition. Uh huh. Um, Star Tropics Two, though. Do you think that means there? Mind you, this is not trademarking Zoda's Revenge. I know so. there's there's no trademark for Zoda. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I you know we talked about F Zero as like a franchise that I right. think realistically could come back at any time like sure. if an f-zero game happened that wouldn't be surprising to me star tropics feels like something that yeah i mean never say never because it's in like the same kind of class as famicom detective club but just like for america versus famicom detective club being for japan right like it's the same level of obscure um, maybe even greater because there are only two of those games, uh, and there were three Famicom Detective games. If you want to count the right, uh, the Satella view, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't. Uh, Again, I, I, I would don't, never I don't say know. never. I would like right. never count it out. But that would it would be so crazy to me if a new Star Tropics game was released that I genuinely don't know what I would do. Cry pull my hair out, fall to the floor and like woo 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 in a circle. Like I think curly. you would woo 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 in a circle <laughs> like the Stooges. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, the strange things are happening, right? Like the, the, I think we can agree on this. Nintendo very quietly renewing their, uh, trademark for star tropics. Uh-huh. Bomberman announced that a Nintendo direct, <laughs> What's Speaking of razzing, air? you are getting razzed on the Discord. Look, I don't care. <laughs> this is look. I when the barometric pressure drops, it doesn't mean that there's going to be a hurricane. But every time there's a hurricane, the barometric <laughs> pressure has dropped. Okay. I, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm, out I'm, here reading the signs, yeah, man. I'm, I'm 100% on board. <laughs> I have, uh, I have, um, I would love for all of this to be true. I yeah, I just it is, I. I just don't know. I just don't know what would happen if right. a Star Tropics, if a new Star Tropics game was announced. Do you think? Yes. If a new Star Tropics game was announced, that it would come from like 
next level games. Like one of oh, one of like the RPG makers. One of the um or like not Western RPG studios. Makers. Yeah. Um yeah, boy, that's a I, I I don't know. Like where does that come from? Like who has the interest in it? Yeah. You would think they would just like partner with a like an indie studio, right? I yeah. I mean, they, they definitely wouldn't. It would be some like internal like super secretive thing. <laughs> and also, I also, also, it would never happen. <laughs> <laughs> this is one I believe zero percent. We're not getting a new Star Topic game. So, uh, back in March, Square Enix revealed a game called the Diofield Chronicles, and I have no memory of this happening. Yeah, I don't either. Um, it was brought up in our Discord. That's how it got onto my radar. But I, th- by I think uh, listener Super Game Joy, but might have been somebody else. So I apologize if it got that wrong. Um, because Square Enix over the weekend had a live stream. I guess like just a little tiny one. I have no idea where this news came from. It's but the Diofield Chronicles is being released in Japan on September 22nd of this year. Yeah, this is the first time that it was getting a release date was in this live stream. Um but what let's let's like circle what the uh Diofield or Diofield I, I assume yeah, it I don't was know. Dio. It doesn't matter. Um what the Diofield Chronicles uh is because it is a looks to be a maybe turn-based, maybe real-time strategy game from Square Enix. Um that is giving off major Fire Emblem and specifically major Fire Emblem Three Houses vibes. Um, like the the trailer from the live stream showed off the three different like areas that are at war with each other, and they're the Empire, the Alliance, and the Kingdom, which is exactly the same language that Three Houses uses. Um, and you know, it's a battle for the whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know. It looks it looks cool. Yeah, it does look cool. It's another one. Uh, just last week with uh, the reveal in the partner showcase of that like farming yeah. simulator slash dungeon crawler game from Square Enix. Uh, we were talking about how cool it is to see Square Enix just like they're releasing so many games now, and a lot of these kind of like B tier games are making it to Switch. And like weird Square Enix is something that I look forward to. And so here's just another example of that same phenomenon. Yeah. Well, and it's also just like so weird to see them like the, the, the pitch, the pitch here, the elevator pitch is so similar to triangle strategy. Yeah. Right. Like, yep. And then this game is coming out the same year, yeah. the same year as triangle strategy. Yep. What's going on at square Enix? <laughs> uh, while we usually don't talk about regional differences in Nintendo directs, there was a pretty big omission in the North American and European versions of the Partner Showcase last week. In Japan, they revealed a game, Ultra Kaiju Monster Rancher. Yes. Uh, so, Mark, are you familiar with the Monster Rancher games mm-hmm. at all? Um, so they're like you. I mean, it, it, it's exactly what it sounds like. You're you're raising monsters, but this is a kaiju version of it. Um, that is, means you're raising giant monsters. That seems fun. It does seem fun. Uh, so the news here is that, although technically not set for release outside of Japan, the Bandai Namco is giving it an English language translation, and Switch games are region free. So, so it's kind of coming everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if there's because uh, I, I saw like a little bit of like oh a new Monster Rancher game. Um, I wonder if they'll pick up on or if if there truly is like a North American and European uh, interest in, in, in the game uh, and, and if they'll actually bring it over or not. 
Finally, if you wanted to make use of the online services in the Wii U versions of Assassin's Creed 3, Rayman Le Legends, and Zombie U, you might want to like do that now. Yeah, you got to do it right now. Ubisoft has announced that they are pulling their online support for those three games on September 1st, 2022. Uh, which... Kind of surprising that they were still supporting the online uh, services for those three games on Wii U. Yeah. Um, how much traffic do you think they like? How much use? Who's playing Zombie U on the Wii U right now and using the online components of it? Uh, who's playing Assassin's Creed Three on, the, on Wii the Wii U right now? Yeah, and, and making using the use. online. Yeah. I mean, it seems uh, it, it it's it's very surprising they were still supporting it. Uh, it does mean that, like, how far behind are, like, um, Nintendo's, uh, like, when, when are they going to start pulling their online support for a lot of those things? Um, I Actually, they are still, like, you can play Splatoon on it still, right? I, I, was, I was actually just about to ask you the same thing. Can you like, play Splatoon? Can you play Mario Maker? Yeah. Because I don't, because that stuff could be completely separate from, like, Miiverse. Right. But Miiverse has been gone for a long time. Right. Well, and the, the store is still up there. You can't spend money on yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. Well, but even better, if a listener knows. Yes. We could speculate about it, which is really <laughs> – we weren't even speculating. We were just asking questions. Um, if anyone does know, we write into us, Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Um, all right, Mark, let's get out of the news. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate it so much when you do that. If you like this episode, you should share it on Facebook or Twitter or any place, any platform that allows sharing of any kind. Uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Cart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Anthony DeLuca made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for listening. <laughs>